This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 340. Not only do you want to read the lead, but you want to lead yourself on an evolutionary journey because I think the reading journey is the most important. And I, I mean, my desk and place is littered with books. Hi, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. This is the podcast that's dedicated, as you know, to your personal and professional growth. I'm your host, Jeff Brown, and I'm here because I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business and in your life, that intentional and consistent reading is a must. The guest we'll be talking to today, in fact, has impacted just about every reader on the planet, having sold about half a billion books. We'll be chatting today with prolific author Mark Victor Hansen as we dive into his new book, Ask, The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. I'll ask Mark to share about why asking great questions is such an important habit to develop, the roadblocks that make it hard for so many of us to master this habit, We'll even get into his thoughts on the lockdown response to COVID and its effect on our psyche and much, much more. If you answered the call I made in last week's episode about responding to my questionnaire and possibly having those responses included in my new book coming out next year, I just want to say thank you very much for taking the time. We've got dozens and dozens of responses, and we're going through those now to determine which ones will indeed be included, and we'll let you know very, very soon. Well, Mark Victor Hansen is widely known as an inspirational and motivational speaker, trainer, author, serial entrepreneur, and member of multiple boards of directors. He is best known as the founder and co-creator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul book series. In the area of human potential, no one is better known and more respected than Mark. For more than 44 years, he's focused solely on helping people and organizations reshape their personal vision of what's possible. His powerful messages of possibility, opportunity, and action have helped create startling and powerful change in thousands of organizations and millions of individuals worldwide. Again, his new book, written together with Crystal Dwyer Hansen, is called Ask, The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. Well, Mark, let me officially welcome you to the Read to Lead podcast. I feel very privileged to welcome the one and only Mark Victor Hansen, the seller of, what is it, a half a billion books, I believe, at last count? Yes, which I'm very blessed by. I mean, thinking we'd sell a million and a half in a year and a half, did a million three, and then I kept writing the goals. I'm the goal setter of the Jack and Mark team on the chicken soup story. So um, I just, I, I set these outrageous goals, which quite honestly... 144 publishers all told us to hit the road, Jack. And I said, look, he's brilliant. If you don't like him, like me. But it, they didn't, and they fired us. So, and then our agent fired us. So, and and the world's best movie maker, I wrote the forward to his book, uh, Peter Guber. I did 50 movies, like everything from Rocky to Lawrence of Arabia to whatever, and owns the Golden State Warriors and the Dodgers, said to me, Mark is so dyslexic. When people told him no, he thought it meant on. (laughs) (laughs) You're on. Let's do this. (laughs) Well, with the book Ask, uh, The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny, you've written this, co-written it with a young lady named uh, Crystal Hansen, who happens to have the same last name as you. Yeah, she's my beloved wife, who's way brighter than I am, but 
everyone we think has a destiny and, and the, this book helps you find it. Well, I'm curious to know, because uh, I was not expecting a fable at the beginning. What prompted you to begin the book with what I thought was a delightful fable? I actually had to stop reading twice and get up and go find the box of tissue because it was that compelling. What, what compelled you to, to begin it that way? It's three things. First of all, my wife wrote the whole fable, so I take absolutely no credit for it. She wrote it compelled by her dreams. And, uh, you know, while she's got all these degrees, one of which is being a clinical hypnotherapist, she has deep resources of wisdom that is just eclectic. I mean, she came from a very smart family, one of nine, but it just is amazing to me. And she poured it out and we we're going to put it in four parts. And I said, no, no, no. I teach that, you know, if you're going to write a book or do a seminar or do a business, you want to be unique. Uh, you want to be transformative, meaning you want to really change the reader. And then number three is you want to be inevitable. And like you said, the tissues caught you, right? It caused you to have metaphorically, I'll call it a happy tear. It's the story of every man and woman. And it's the story of every one of us right now. I'd, I'd love you to tell me what you felt on it, but it's a woman in rock quarry. And there are a lot of people that say, oh my God, I'm hanging out by my fingernails, this COVID thing in seven months shut down or whenever people are listening to this, you know, I don't know how long we're going to be locked down, but Everyone is suffering some sequestration, some prison effect of whether it's government opposed or, how, you know, however it was imposed, company or whatever. And, you know, 30 to 50 million Americans don't have jobs, which I'm saying you can weed your way back into work because there's going to be more work than ever and we're going to have breakthrough. Why is continually asking questions uh, such an important habit uh, to develop in, in your view and in, in Crystal's view? What happens is we've traveled to 80 countries around the world speaking to over 7 million people. We've met great people, nice people. But the difference between somebody who succeeds a little and somebody who succeeds greatly is the ability to become what we now call a master asker. Somebody that asks them, we do three things. We say, ask yourself, ask others, and ask God. And what happens is you start to wake it up. When I went bankrupt, I asked myself, what do I want to do? And I said, I want to talk to people that care about things that matter that would make a difference. And I ended up training in the insurance business. And everyone said, do you have that story in a book? And my first book was uh, called Stand Up, Speak Out, Win. And I said, this isn't a New York Times bestseller or an international bestseller or even national bestseller, but it's my bestseller. <laughs> and, and I sold, two, I tripled my income. I sold 20,000 copies from the platform, a little audiences, life insurance audiences all over the country. So I went from $70,000 to suddenly 200,000 and I was doing what I love. I love to read. I love to write. I love to communicate. I love to be a speaker. And, you know, so for me, that's my right livelihood. But I, everyone's got a right livelihood. I, mm. Everyone's got a destination. And the only way we can find it, as far as we're concerned, is asking. And if you have a different model that will get you into mind, I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think, though, Mark, that asking questions is, is, is such a struggle for so many people? Speak to some of the um, sort of the roadblocks to asking that you and Crystal highlight in the book. We, we say there are seven roadblocks to asking. First of all, the question before I go into roadblocks is that all of us get squished, unfortunately, as little kids. Little kids wake up with Nothing but curiosity. Who, what, where, when, why, how? Mommy, mommy, tell me, tell me, you know, why this, why that? And, and what happens is we get squished. Then you go to school and they say, now, Jeff, you just sit in your seat and you listen. And I'm going to feed you all the truths of, of mathematics or alphabet or whatever it is. And, and then you go to business and they say, no, no, we'll tell you, or military, we'll tell you how to do it. And you don't have to ask any questions. You'll be a repository. That's not the way it works. The mm -hmm. mind works. Socratic method is true. Socrates 
taught us you got to ask questions, and that's what worked. And then the seven roadblocks, just real quick, are they're easy to believe. And every one of them has got one or more of them going at any given time. So it's really important, we think, to read the book, hold it up, and buddy up with somebody and talk through these seven. But they will include sense of self-worthfulness or unworthiness. And all of us have it some level at different levels at different times, physically, mentally. Number two is fear, because FDR had it written by Napoleon Hill, confront your fears, make it disappear. Disconnectedness is the one we think is happening because everyone has a cell phone and you don't understand. I have a cell phone. I'm committed. And you watch teenagers or when I work in China, they don't have one cell phone. They got two. You guys don't even understand what it means to be in a personal relationship and, and really get along with somebody. Then we say excuse-itis because everyone's, I'd read books, but that takes time. And I don't have any time. I've got to watch TV at night or whatever they say. Which they're cheating themselves out of the great privilege of reading books. Then pattern paralysis. And pattern paralysis, my teacher in graduate school was Buckminster Fuller. His teacher was Albert Einstein. And Albert said, the definition for insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a new answer. Mm. There's no such thing as a new answer. You've got to have a new thinking. And what we're saying is asking is a way out of that thing. And if you hold up the mirror and ask yourself questions inside so you really check out who you are, what you want to do, and where you want to go, and how you want to get there, and what the end result looks like, and we give you all the questions as you know, because you've read the book, suddenly, every time you ask a question, your mind gets illuminated. You have resolution and solution. Like, I just, I love this topic, because if you could see, yesterday, we got like 121 letters from people that said, you transformed my life. I was going to cut my wrists, and you guys got me to wake up to that. I've got a reason to live, because I've got a mind, and I've got a destiny, and I've got a future, and I've got opportunities. So, that's why I get goosebumps. It's so exciting. Now, you, uh, you hinted at some of this in, in your answer a moment ago, but uh, talk a bit more about the methods that we should consider for being a good asker. There's belief and, and action and visualization and prayer, I think, was the last one, right? So let me start at the end. How's that? Yes. Crystal and I are falling in love long, long ago, and we're sitting at, at Mother's Market having a wonderful discussion and indefatigably in love then and now. And a man of the cloth is sitting next to us, and you can tell he was very senior, probably 90 years old. He said, look, I can see you guys are deeply in love. Do you mind if I share something with you? I said, what does he want to share? He says, you will know the secret of staying happily married forever. And I go, how are you going to not say yes to that, right? I said, yeah, what is it? He said, well, I've been head of Billy Graham Ministries for now over 70 years. And uh, we discovered only one thing, praying out loud in the morning and at night. Now, Crystal and I both prayed at churches, prayed in groups, all kinds of stuff, but we hadn't prayed out loud spousefully. Mm. And so we've done that now our whole marriage, and it, it really works. And so we do an hour and a half of prayer and meditation every day, asking each other all the questions we're teaching. And, and what it does is it gets your day going in the right direction. It uplifts your spirit. It makes you bigger because your spirit before your mind, before your body. That's at least my belief. It may or may not be yours, and we can discuss any of this. I'm open. Back to the next one is visualization. Flip Wilson used to say, what you see is what you get. Your mind is 87% visually. So what do you see? And when Jack and I started the chicken soup thing, we were number one and number two for 58 weeks. Chicken soup for the soul and second helping. But we visualized it first and we colored it and we put it in the mirror because when you either are doing makeup or in our case, men, you're shaving, you're looking through the portal of the pupil into the depth of the soul so you own it before you own it. Mm. Next part is you got to take massive action, which I'll talk about in a minute. When you ask a question, you've got to believe and trust that there's an answer 
And if you're in a spiritual model like I am, you assume that God in you is under, you're under the favor of God. Ask yourself, like I did in 1974, how do I go bankrupt? I checked the book out of life. How to go bankrupt by yourself? Ask the wrong question. You get the wrong result. If you say, how do I become a millionaire? And you decide to believe that you're going to do it, write it on a three by five card. I'm so happy I'm on schedule to be a millionaire. And as I think you know, I wrote the book that has sort of changed the world other than Think Grow Rich, One Minute Millionaire. And it's two books in one. It's the only book ever that's been fiction, nonfiction, number one at the same time. It's right now number one in Vietnam because we're trying to keep communism out of there and capitalism in there. So I've been there twice. And mm. I, I, I have put a lot in there so you can unwrap and ask any qualifying or disheartening questions, anything you want. <laughs> You mentioned the prayer aspect, and I think that goes to another question I wanted to ask, this concept sure. of how asking actually prophesies the future. Can you, can you speak to that? First of all, I love your questions, Jeff. Everyone lives into the self-fulfilling prophecy, and uh, self-fulfilling prophecy is like yesterday I'm being interviewed. I'm trying to help turn around all of Australia again, and, and they've cut off all flights in and out of Australia until January 2nd, which I suggested on, on national media yesterday in Australia. That's a mistake. I said, you got a self-fulfilling prophecy. What we know causes depression is lack of trade. If you shut off all transportation in and out of a country, you shut off the trade effectively, of course you're going to have a depression. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. When I wrote Chicken Soup for the Survivor Soul, 101 Ways to Be Cancer, the first thing I wrote was every oncologist, 100% of oncologists die of cancer. Now you say, well, why would that be? Well, if you think about it and you're scanning everybody else for cancer, cancer of the liver, the heart, the colon, suddenly you scan yourself in the morning, you're looking for something. And what did we say about asking? Whatever you're looking for, you're going to find, right? The Bible says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. <laughs> these are these are eternal truths. These aren't Mark's truths. These are the big guy's truths. And if, if that's it, you don't want to be asking for what you don't want. And you want to have a favorable expectation, like, how am I going to be healthy? How am I going to be happy? Can I go one step further? Oh, sure. Absolutely. I, I went through a tragic early in my life divorce. So I wrote down 267 things. I said, what would I have to have if I had my ideal soulmate to live with monogamously for the rest of my life? And, and we had to be monogamous. We had to have exactly the same values. She had to love to travel because I travel. She had to have her own business because somebody can't marry me for my wallet. Anyhow, when I met Crystal long, long ago, she was 267 out of 267. Isn't that cool? Wow. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, because most people, what, what are women? I want them tall, dark, and handsome. And men, I want them to look a hot babe. Hot babe fades over time. <laughs> tall, dark, and handsome may not work as well when you're 50, 60, 70, 80. And I'm going to live to be 127 with options for nuke. That's what I ask myself. How long do I want to live in? If you have a high quantity of life, you want a high quality of life with a positive mental attitude. Mark, you alluded earlier to this time in your life when you were literally doing a thousand presentations a year for, for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, I believe that began, if memory serves, in around 1974. And this followed, though, uh, an event that uh, was beginning to make it look like it might be the worst year of your life. Can you talk about transitioning from the, the, the worst of times to the best of times and what that was like? Yeah, and it was all a question. That's what's so beautiful is that, you know, I went bankrupt, lost $2 million in one day. My best, worst experience, although when you're in a cocoon, you don't feel that way. I wanted to slash my wrist. I was sleeping in front of another guy's room for six months trying to get it together. And I said, well, what is it I really want to do? And I, I said, I want to talk to people that care about things that matter that make a life-changing difference. I'm living out in Hicksville, Long Island, New York, paying $100 a month rent. So you can see it wasn't 
any, there's no luxury going on in my life and barely getting by. And I, I thought my self-worth and net worth were the same. I discovered they are not, thank God. I went to my roommates, three of them, and at breakfast, I said, hey, I want to be a speaker. You guys know anyone that's young, that's not a lawyer, a doctor, a celebrity, a famous person that's talking and making money. And I said, yeah, yeah, this guy's talking to the multi-listing service in real estate out here in Hawpaw, Long Island, New York. Here's my ticket. You go. I got there. There were 500 people. He talked for three hours. Chip Collins became my best friend and mentor. I, I asked him at the end. I said, I'm Mark Victor Hansen. Can I take you to a lunch? I'll buy. Teach me how you do what you do. He said, look, kid, the chance you make is one in a thousand. You're not going to make it. <laughs> so I apologize to you in advance. I'll, I'll take a free lunch. I'll tell you, if you'll stay out of real estate, I own the five boroughs of New York. You do life insurance. I'll tell you what to do. Told me four questions to ask. And, and if I was calling 10 people, one of them maybe say yes. Well, the last guy that day said yes. A lovely old Italian at Metropolitan. He said, here's the directory to all of Metropolitan. Metropolitan at the time was the number one company in the whole world. He said, you just tell them Big Tony since you every one of them will hire you. I just went nuts. I was doing wow. seminars as early as 6 in the morning, 1 at 10, 1 at 2, sometimes 8 or 9 at night. And in between, I was selling seminars. Because what Chip taught me is that insurance industry and real estate business are exactly like McDonald's has a Taco Bell next to it. You know, because Taco Bell didn't pay for the research, but this is where the traffic is. So they put it, and the mother says, you kids get McDonald's Happy Meal. Dad and I want to go get a burrito, right? Mm. But the same thing here. The insurance industry is all in the same building. Like I worked in the World Trade Center before it got blown up 125 times, right? Because all the insurance is in Hartford and in New York City and in Des Moines. So I just, and then, you know, then I did their national meetings and conventions and that. But I was working my little butt off and loved it. If you want massive success, you got to take massive act, right action. And, and and it started with you just asking a handful of people and one yes led to all that, that other business. That's amazing. Well, Mark, I've got a couple of questions, actually three or four that I'd love to ask you that aren't directly related to the book. Before I do that, what else from the book do you want to make sure we know? Anything? Two things. If you know anyone despondent, disconsolate, depressed, or most importantly, suicidal, one of our friends said, don't buy one book, buy 10 and give it to those people because books change lives. Mm. And then the second thing is, once you've got the book and, and then read it, recommend it if you would, but go to askthebookclub.com and for free, Crystal and I, we're going to train people once a month to become master askers. And, and we really think asking is a clue to getting the economy going and the world going and individuals feeling good about their life and, and evolving to fulfill their destiny individually and then us collectively. Mm. How have you seen the act of intentional and consistent reading impact your own life and career as you've applied that skill and shared it with others? I, I really got into reading when I was 16, and my parents were uh, sort of, I don't want to put them down, but they were illiterate Danish people because dad came here with no English skill. There's no such thing as um, English as a second language class. I'm not putting down my parents. They're very, very, very bright and love my brother and myself totally. So that's not the issue. The issue was we never had a book in a house. Mm. I'm 16 years old and I get in front of uh, this guy, John Reinhardt, just made books come alive. He would come in and say, Marcus, what do you say about this? And he would interface it with whatever Walter Cronkite was saying that night. And he was so good that he wanted every kid there to not only know all of Shakespeare, all of Greek literature, and, and he made all of us read it, understand it, and then be able to compare it and use it in our own life. And, and he was so good that we were in the class the day John Kennedy got shot. And he said, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to stay here as long as you want to talk about what I think is the greatest president up until then of our lives. You're going to call your parents and get permission. Nobody left until 630. 
And we talked about not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country and all the classic lines. And it just, and he made Camelot come alive and he made us read all this stuff about King Arthur. And I'm still a King Arthur scholar. I mean, I did a whole book called You Are the Solution and it was, you know, based on the King Arthur fairy tales. We need to get education in America working and get everybody reading again. I am so dedicated to what you're doing, Jeff. Everyone needs to be a good self-leader and they got to be a good reader. Mm, thank you. Appreciate that. I, I want to ask you to do something, but it's probably probably tough to do, and that's to, to think about the one book. If you had to recommend one book to people, what would that be? There's a great book by a guy who only goes by one name, Neville, N-E-V-I-L-L, Neville, and it's called Resurrection. What he's doing is he's saying, resurrect your soul with the principle of visualization. Mm. And the main key principles, you got to live in the assumption of the wish fulfilled. Now, I saw myself as the number one best-selling author before I became it. I didn't know that I could become the world's best-selling author when I started this. <laughs> you know, an acorn is going to be an oak tree. It can't be anything else. My vision it just keeps expanding. And that's what the danger of this lockdown is that people are making themselves less. Mm. I'm asking you to start thinking more in the cocoon and understand you're going to come out of it and have more opportunity, more energy, more life. If you take good care of yourself mentally, physically, financially, socially, and spiritually. That's what uh, Neville says in Resurrection is you've got to uh, live in the assumption that you're going to be healthy, whole, complete, and fully functioning. And that makes sense to me. Mm. I mean, I live it. So it's not a question of does it make sense. It's something that I, I would never get up without visualizing how the day, like I visualized that our interview would go spectacularly well, and I think it has so far. <laughs> well, I certainly feel like it has. And I hope everyone listening agrees. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, because I like Jeff and what he's trying to do so much, share it with 10 people that don't even know he exists. Not, not, that, not that he didn't have a big audience, but we each need to make our audiences bigger because if everyone reads, we're going to have a better life because you're going to have expanded perceptions. Mm. That's very generous. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and back at you, too. Tell 10 people about Mark and Crystal's new book. Thank uh, you. Ask the bridge from your dreams to your destiny, available via Amazon, if not in your local bookstore right now, as Mark suggests. 10 copies, pass them out. Uh, impact the world uh, when you do that. Uh, Mark, this has been a real treat. I look forward to uh, a couple of the future interviews that uh, that uh, we're going to do, I know, on some other books that you've written. So thank you in advance for that. And thank you so much for giving so freely of your time here today. Gladly. My pleasure. I just, I want everyone to read. I just, it, it, it is time that those of us that can read go teach somebody that can't. Art Linkletter and I used to say, hey, wait a second. You taught your kids to read, your grandkids need to teach somebody else to read. Every Each one of us should lead somebody else to the reading journey. In the beginning of Ask, you saw a story about our, our precocious grandkids that we spend a lot of time with because we think they are the future, of course. And uh, we love them and, and encourage them and help pay for a lot of their educational experiences in life and travel with them and all that. But uh, little Everett is six years old. This is two years ago now, and we're in Hawaii, and we're just ready to write this book. We'd started our research, and my phone rings. Hey, Everett, what is it? He says, Grampy. I'm thinking he's in trouble. I said, where are you? He said, I'm hiding in a closet. I said, oh, boy, something's wrong. He says, you know those books you write? I said, yeah. He said, are you still writing? I said, yes. He said, can I write the next one with you? And I thought, <laughs> oh, we've hit a home run. And, and, of course, we do his story first because he did help us with it. And we're saying, look, kids that are encouraged and excited to read 
You know, it, it, it's, it's interesting because it would have been so easy uh, when talking to Everett to answer him with something like, well, you know, when you get a little older, yeah, let's, let's look at that and, 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 and maybe you can write a book with us then or, or some response that, that would, have, would have put him off. I think it's cool that you, you involved him right from the get-go, even at, even at four years old. Before COVID hit, we were at a big church here and we took him with and he signed every book to all the people. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, because what you just said is true. Instead of squishing life and love and joy and questions out of a kid, we want to exemplify it. I said, ask anything you want. Grampy, I'll do the best I can to answer. If I can't, I promise you, because I've met so many people, I know somebody who has your answer. I'll bet on well, uh, again, Mark, thank you so much for your generosity here today, your time. I really do appreciate you uh, agreeing to come on the Read to Lead podcast, and, and we're going to do what we can to help you uh, sell a million copies of Ask. Thank you. Mark mentioned his book club for the book Ask. If you want to find out more about that and the other links and resources that Mark and I discussed today, I've gathered all of them at my website. You can find everything at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 340 for episode 340. I'd love to know what your favorite part was from what Mark shared today. You can write me directly to let me know. Jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com is my email address. That's also where you can write if you've got questions, suggestions, comments, or other feedback. One more time, that's Jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. In the coming weeks, we'll be talking to authors of books like When More Is Not Better, Overcoming America's Obsession with Economic Efficiency, Invisible Solutions, 25 Lenses That Reframe and help solve difficult business problems. The self-evolved leader, elevate your focus and develop your people in a world that refuses to slow down. And mastering the art of public speaking, eight secrets to transform fear and supercharge your career. That and more is on the way right here on the Read to Lead podcast. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. 